Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I've got the, the privilege of talking to you today about the uh, fight of a lifetime. Um, and when I started with the fight of the lifetime, when I looked at that, uh, obviously Rocky came to mind and I just had to put this um, theme song in. Um, <laughs> but um, that is exactly where our mistake is. Very often we think it's, it's like the underdog that needs to fight something big and awesome on its own strength. And we actually fall into that trap where we think it's our strength that we need to use to fight this fight and win this fight. Um, and I hope that today I'll be able to show you it's not by your own strength that you should be winning this fight. Um, and I hope that we'll be able to understand this fight better so that it doesn't have to be a daily struggle, but a daily victory. So let's start with Galatians 16 to 17. Uh, this text is, is amazing because I read through it and I thought, mm, interesting. And then I went on. Uh, and then because it was part of the text, I went through it again and I worked it through and I, I discovered I missed something completely in my preparation. Uh, and I'm glad I actually found it because um, it would be tragic if we missed it. Uh, it says, but I say, walk in the spirit. Now, what is walking in the spirit? I asked myself. Um, and I see that it, it, it immediately carries on and it says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the desires of the flesh. So, um, so what's this all about? So it says for, when something says for after for, there's always a description. Um, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and, des and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So the spirit has a desire, the flesh has a desire, and these two are against each other. Um, so I thought to myself, okay, so, and then I saw there's another four, um, so <laughs> it explains it a little bit more again, uh, and for these are opposed to each other, so they're against each other. Um, but what are they against each other for? So it says two keep you from doing, so doing what? The things you want to do. And I read this text and I thought, the things I want to do? Uh, this somehow doesn't sound like something I want to do because it's things I want to do, it prevents me from doing. And you understand my confusion in this time. And I looked at that text again and I saw, okay, there's you, it keeps you, so me, from doing um, from the things I uh, want to do. And then the penny dropped. And I realized the things I, I want to do are the desires of the flesh. These are not the good things. These are the desires of the flesh I have. Um, because you see there is this conflict between desires of the spirit and desires of the flesh and they they crash uh, with each other and this links up so sweetly with our sermon that we heard last week if you did not go and listen to it afterwards 
I do encourage you to listen to it because it's, it's probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard by Francis Chan, and he does good sermons. So um, uh, in his sermon, he spoke about selfie mode. Yeah, that we're all in selfie mode. It's just me, me, me. It's all about me. And I always just wanted me to be satisfied. And, and that's why this whole thing about going against my desires is such an issue. Because we're all in selfie mode these days. Uh, he also spoke about us having to grow up and stop sucking um, the life out of others and stop wanting to be fed the whole time but starting to feed ourselves. Um, and he spoke about another topic which I thought was amazing. At one stage he said, we need to kill someone here or some people here. Uh, and I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> even for you that's a bit hectic. Um, but he spoke about killing the flesh. Uh, and it's, yeah, so if you haven't listened to it, it's a, it's a very good um, sermon to listen to. So let's go a little bit before the text that was given to me. Um, when we look at Galatians 5 verse 12, we read this text, which a lot of preachers I've heard go um, on a tangent, and they enjoy this because this is so on the edge, and mm, you're saying things, and, um, and people think you're cool when you say that. But I think the beginning of that text is supposed to show us how um, passionate Paul felt about people being put under the law, and being pushed under, and being made... Uh, guilty and condemned the whole time. That is not the intention of the gospel. It is good news. It's not uh, news that binds you and puts you under a law, puts you under pressure and depresses you. It is a good uh, message. For we are called to freedom, he says, brothers. We are called to freedom. That is the good news of the gospel. We have Freedom, But he says, only do not use this freedom for an opportunity of the flesh. Because that's what we tend to do. We say, ah, <laughs> you'll see I'm saved through grace, so whatever. Huh? Uh, why should I stress? And, and I think that is really contradictory to having a relationship with the one that died on the cross to make this grace possible for you. Um, it's really not very loving. So, and then it carries on, how should we live this out? But, so, but again, through love. So if we do something through love, we're going to do it with love, through it. And because of it, we're going to do things uh, to other people. And I think when we start to look at that, we realize if we do not live out love, we're not really living the gospel, are we? We should live it out towards others. Um, and then he carries on with a text which Francis Chan also referred to in his sermon last week. If you haven't listened to it, mm -hmm. um, he, he's, he spoke about this one verse that he feels very passionate about. And I feel very passionate about it also because it's, it's used out of context so, so many times. So I think it's valuable to look at it in context. He says, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. Now, I've spoken about this many times, and people always say, Ziggy, do you emphasize that as very much? So just for those to, to make sure that you understand that it's very important for me, I kind of underlined it, overlined it in all lines that I could do with it, because it is as you love yourself. So that as says you already do it. It's not you need to learn to love yourself, my dear person. And then you can love others. It is as you love yourself already. All right. So please do not spend more time trying to figure out how you can love yourself more. Spend more time figuring out how you can love others as you already love yourself. And you'll be on a good track just by doing that already. Um, and then he says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so, so often, I, I just recently worked with a few brothers that, that were in conflict, and you just realize every one of them wants to be right, and they're so focused on themselves that because they are so focused on themselves in that conflict, they're in danger of breaking everything they built up. Because that is what happens when we allow our flesh to be first. When we are lustful, we want to love ourselves more and more, and we think everyone should love us as we love ourselves. The verse doesn't say everyone should love you as you love yourself. The verse says you should love others as you love yourself. So, there's this conflict, uh, desires of the spirit, desires of the flesh. So, um, let's look at the desires of the flesh and kind of try and categorize it a little bit for ourselves. So, it has a few themes that I found. The first theme was personal sexual gratification at all cost. Um, when you look at adultery, uh, which is having a sexual relationship outside of marriage, and all of you, those of you that are not married yet, I just that one, they're from Christ. Okay, <laughs> so if you desire, if you lust after someone, you, you, you already broke uh, the marriage, you already committed adultery. So we've all kind of done that at some stage. Then there's fornication, which is uh, pornography, basically, and, and being caught in that whole um, whole uh, scene there. Then there's uh, uncleanness, which is impurity um, uh, of lustful, uh, and it, they use this word, this is a good word to use, uh, profligate, profligate. If you, if you want to sound clever, that's a word. That's a word. Um, it means, <laughs> it's a word. It's a word. That one is a word. Profligate. It sounds good when you say it even. Um, that's a person who is a slave to their cravings um, and whose behavior is unrestrained and selfish because they love themselves enough. Then there's uh, whew, this one. Um, I, I actually was tempted to use another translation because lasciviousness uh, this one is unbridled lust okay and I even it was difficult enough for me to go Google it as well um, and Google says it describes a person whose behavior um, is driven by thoughts of sex so it's that is the one section the next section is personal spiritual power 
uh, gratification at all uh, cost. So there are two words under that. The first one is uh, idolatry, which is basically having a, another god. Um, and we always tick that one off and think, ah, I'm good with that one, okay? Um, but it's not always this little image that you have. Uh, sometimes it's more subtle than you, um, than you think. Uh, a lot of people go, yeah, you make money your God. And I, I agree with them. It does. Money your God is also not okay. Um, but I think the, our biggest challenge is the following. How many of you have heard people say, well, the God I believe in would never do that? Have you ever heard that? Now, if you've ever heard that or said that, you need to ask yourself, is the God that you believe in actually the God of the Bible? Um, is that what you base that on? Or is, it, or is it a thought that you created yourself? Because if that is the case, you've created a God that doesn't exist, um, but it, it, that is also idolatry. And why we do that is because a God I create in my mind is a God I can manipulate. I could decide what he must do and what he may not do, um, so in the end, I am God, and that is our original sin that we've got. Then there's witchcraft. And when we hear witchcraft, we think of people with uh, like pointy noses and uh, those hats. But um, it's, it's really what I want you to look at is the, the power more than natural that we're aiming at. And how many of us have spent time trying to figure out the power more than natural? And we put it under the Christian banner as well, even. But in the end, when we ask ourselves, who's got the power here? It's not Christ. It's me trying to get the power, understand this power, to use it to have status. Now, I'm not against people kind of helping others with spiritual challenges and stuff like that. Don't misunderstand me. But we need to be very careful that we're not doing it to gratify our own flesh in that situation. So, then there's the next one. Power over others at all cost. Which is hatred. Uh, when I'm hating somebody, I want to have power over them. Uh, when I'm quarreling or I'm, I've got strife with people, that I need to have power over them. Uh, when I... Uh, emulations is also a nice word to use. Um, I had to go get a definition for that as well. It's the effort to match or surpass a person um, or is his, the person's achievement by typically imitating that person. It sounds a lot like coveting what somebody else has and then acting on that aggressively. Then wrath, which is fits of anger. You see, all of these give me power of another person. So the next is personal power over groups of people. And there we've got strife, which is creating factions. We've got um, seditions, which is, which is disunion that we're creating. Then there's heresies. And what do I do with a heresy? A heresy is a false teaching. I create a teaching so that I can divide people because my teaching is right, your teaching is wrong, and, and I divide people by that. And it's, it's all works of the flesh. Then the last one is personal pleasure at all cost. And here we've got envyings. I want what you have. You shouldn't be having what, what you have. I should have what you have. And murders, that's that, that hatred in my heart already uh, and wanting to kill someone because they have more than I have um, just for my gratification. Then drunkenness, if I just 
go get drunk to gratify myself and make myself happy. Um, then this one was interesting. I had to go check what this is, and it, its origin comes from people having a long party, then getting up uh, um, the the fucking um, uh, wasn't fucking. Oh, okay. Fire those those sticks of fire on top. What do you call those? Torches. You see, I knew you understand German. Um, <laughs> so we had translation of the tongues. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, and, and they go out and they have this, this big um, drinking spree and then they go from house to house and they celebrate in front of people's houses and that's done in, in honor of Bacchus or any other deity or whatever. So basically, having this massive party getting sloshed and going from house to house and getting others to join you in getting sloshed uh, and in the end doing things that are not godly. Okay, so works of the flesh. I think we can put them under five different things. The only reason I'm putting them under five different things is for the point I'm going to try and make just now. So personal sexual gratification at all costs. Personal spiritual gratification, uh, spiritual power gratification at all costs. Personal power over others, personal power over groups, and then personal pleasure at all cost. So the works of the flesh are really about satisfying yourself at all cost. And that is really living lustfully. And living lustfully is the opposite of living lovingly. When I love someone, I focus on someone else for that, uh, the, the, the benefit of that person. When I, when I lust, I focus on myself for my personal uh, benefit. So, um, and that is the difference between those two. So, Paul says the following, which when I worked through this, it, it rocked my world because as I worked through all of these things, and I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, you've done some of these things uh, intentionally or unintentionally. He says, uh, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and that rocked me for good reason. Um, and then I looked at the word do, and I saw it's, it's do is practice. So somebody that practices that, when you live in this state, you've consciously decided, this is okay, I'm going to live in this state, and you're using grace for a moment of satisfying your flesh. So, um, But Paul is very clear about if we... Uh, are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. Um, so what is this all about? When we look at that text, there are some words that just highlight that for us. What is this all about? There are three words, uh, three sections. Works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit, and then keep in step with the Spirit. So um, let's have a look at those three. So works of the flesh, it's something I do. I work it out. I do it. Yeah? Uh, but I do it for my own lustful satisfaction. satisfaction. Uh, I like using new words. And then uh, fruit of the Spirit. If, if you hear fruit of the Spirit, you would probably think of um, what Christ spoke of in, in John 15, where he, he spoke about the vine 
that is plugged in and if it doesn't bring fruit, it's taken away. And if it does bring fruit, it's pruned uh, so that it brings more fruit. And the one that prunes it is the Father. Um, God makes this happen in us. And then keeping in step with the Spirit, the keep in step comes from a, a word that is normally used when we march. When we march. Uh, and I, I was reminded of um, a victory march after a battle because the battle has been won. Uh, we, we march and we stay in, in line with the, the one that has got victory. And that's what we are required to do in that section. Now, remember a victory march, where does it start? Does it start in the town? It starts in the battlefield. And I think that's what we often forget. The victory march, we've got victory through Christ, but we start the march in the battlefield. And in the battlefield, you still see people being hurt. You still see the evil. You still see it all around you, but it's been defeated. But what we do, we, we step out of line, and we start to fight this thing again, and we fight this thing again, instead of staying in step with the Spirit, and, and living and staying in step with that victory that we, <laughs> that we received. So, uh, we find the same theme in Galatians 2 verse 20. Uh, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, so uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's no more I that live, but it's Christ that lives. I don't live to satisfy my desires. I live to satisfy Christ's desires, my Lord and Savior, which are good desires um, for me. And, it, and, and this is something that is not only in the New Testament. It's found in the Old Testament. It's been the heart of God always. In Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, it said so sweetly, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Um, I will put the, the new heart within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So that new heart will get us to obey the rules automatically because that will be our desire. So this is all done by the Holy Spirit. And I always think when we speak about the Holy Spirit, we need to, especially in our times, clarify what the Holy Spirit does. And I think Christ put that out very sweetly for us in John 16, 7 to 10. In John 16, 7 to 10, he says, Hey guys, it's even better for me that I go because I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit here. And then he mentions three things that the Holy Spirit will do. Um, he will um, convict us of sin. Why? Because um, we need to believe in Christ. So in other words, he convicts us of our sin to create a heart with us, within us that we want to go to Christ because we realize we're not good enough. He convicts us of righteousness because Christ is with God. And there's two ways you can read that. Either um, I've heard people say, okay, there's no example for us anymore. So he needs to, so in the part when Christ was there, you could look at Christ and say, this is how we do things. 
Um, others say it is um, Christ is sitting at the right hand. So he's done what he needs to do to give us righteousness. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. Um, I think both of them are, are, are um, cool ways of thinking about it. I think the second one is more relevant and more true. Um, but both of them are, I think, good ideas. Okay. So then the third thing he does is he con uh, convicts us of judgment. And this is not our judgment. This is the judgment of the ruler of this world, um, which connects with that walking in step. We know that the victory is already done. Christ has got the victory. The devil has been defeated. Um, we are in a victory march with God. Do we still see what the enemy does uh, and the results of what he has done in the past? Yes, but he's lost. We're not fighting him. We are focusing on the one that has got the victory, that has, um, that has won. So if I could just kind of put that in, in blocks again. So sin, so that we know we're, we are not good enough, we need Christ. Righteousness, so that we know Christ has done it. It's a done deal. doesn't depend on my personal goodness. Um, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of what we should be doing so that we stay on the right track. And then of judgment, the Holy Spirit shows us that we are victorious through Christ. And we don't need to stress about that anymore. So the fruit of the Spirit are driven by the Holy Spirit like fruit. Yeah, They're driven by the Holy Spirit at the cost of Christ. Um, so love. We love others because Christ has given us the ability to look away from ourselves and focus on others for the benefit of others. We have joy because of Christ that we know um, and He knows us. We have peace because we know we've got an eternity with Christ. We are saved. We're ready. We're good to go. We can have long suffering. In other words, we can suffer for a long time because it is done. And we don't need to stress about the present time. We're focusing on eternity with God. And what happens now is, is not nice. But we can stand through it because we know it's not forever. This is also going to pass at some stage. Then we can have gentleness or moral goodness because the Holy Spirit helps us and shows us and convicts us of what we should be doing. We can be good. Uh, and goodness is basically what we read in Ezekiel. God giving us a heart that has got the desire to do what He wants to have us do. And then we have faith. And this is not faith in faith. This is faith in the Creator, in God, who is the ultim um, ultimate power and the ultimate um, victor. So I found this description so great that I've, I felt like I couldn't say it better than they had said it. So I'm just going to read what the, what the definition for that original word, what it had in it. So relating to God, the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. And then, relating to Christ, a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation um, in the kingdom of God. So it's really focusing faith focused on God, belief focused on God, knowing that He is the one that does everything. Then meekness. Um, 
I had somebody explain to me recently what meekness is all about. And, and I, I thought, oh, wow, I really misunderstood this. Um, they explained it to me this, this way. I can't remember who it was, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, they explained it to me this way. They said, meekness is you having the power to defend yourself and yet choosing not to. And, and we can only do that when we know and we trust the one that has got the final judgment. When we really trust that God is a righteous God and he will make sure that everything is just in the end, then we can have meekness. Temperance, we have temperance, which is self-control, because we know that God is in control and we can trust him with that. So, to summarize, the fruit of the Spirit, um, I would say, look a little bit like this. We love others as we do ourselves. Having Christ as our source of joy, we know that um, we have peace with God via Jesus. Being able to suffer because we know that our Redeemer lives. Um, having moral goodness growing in, in us because of the, the Holy Spirit's convicting uh, prompts. We have a relationship with Jesus uh, that drives an absolute conviction that Christ has saved us. Therefore, we do not need to defend ourselves, uh, even if we can. And finally, because God is in control, we can control ourselves uh, through his empowerment. So, in the last section of, of, of the text that we want to deal with, uh, it goes to its climax. As, as those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh um, with its passion. So they basically killed the flesh. And that's why, that's where Francis Chan came with, we should kill some people. Um, so they killed their flesh. Um, and then we, we, we keep in step with the Holy Spirit, which is the victory march that we want to go through. Uh, and remember, the victory march starts in the trenches. And then he stops this section with a very important um, warning to all of us. He says, let us not become conceited. So, hey, I'm, I'm okay, I'm good, whatever, da, da, da. Uh, and then provoke others through our behavior, okay? So that they don't need to um, become disheartened and unhappy. Um, and we don't create a situation where people envy each other and whatever. I think it's very important. This is probably one of my favorite verses. Um, is Galatians 6 verse 1, where he says, Brothers, if anyone is courting any transgression, a transgression that you, that you have fallen into before, or that you think you've never been tempted with, if anyone is caught in a transgression, caught is captured, they are caught in it, and they're struggling with it, um, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Um, Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And let's, let's try to live that out. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I've seen so many times where, where I've been coming, I became proud and I thought, oh, this is nothing for me. And I, I became hard with the person that I spoke to. Um, I've seen so many times that I also fell into a similar pit. And, and that's God's grace to help me to not become prideful because God resists the proud um, and he gives grace to the humble. So let's, 
let's be humble in our walk. Um, and let's um, know that we are a sinner and repent. Um, let's know that Jesus Christ is victorious and he's sitting in rest uh, in his victory because it's a done deal. And let's know you are on the victory march. You, there's nothing you need to do additionally. Um, you need to just stay in step. Trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one that has got the victory, and trust him in that, in that march and in that fight. May we all grow in our walk um, in the Spirit. So I put up uh, the QR code there for you of a text um, from Desiring God, which I used for uh, my preparation and that got me prompted in, in certain ways. It's, it's a very valuable text to look at. Um, and I would recommend that maybe we could even put that up on, on Facebook afterwards. Let's pray. Lord, I want to praise you for giving us the Holy Spirit that helps us to stay on track. The Holy Spirit that shows us that we're not good enough and that we need you. The Holy Spirit that shows us that we are righteous and we can come to you boldly because we are your children. The Holy Spirit that shows us that victory is yours and we can live in that victory. And I just praise you for that. And I pray for our congregation, Lord, that we will have this as a reality in our walk with you. And that the Holy Spirit will just guide us as we walk in us. I pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.